From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for, uh, what is it, Tuesday, December 5th, the year 2017, under 60 degrees and rainy skies, we welcome you in, got a lot going on, we welcome in Sean Davison mainly to talk Tiger, but he's a Florida State guy, and Florida State has a new head football coach after Jimbo Fisher bolted for Texas A&M. Um, you may be too close to this, so I apologize if I'm asking questions that you can't answer. Um, but number one, were you surprised Jimbo left? And number one, and number two, what do you think of the hiring of um, Willie Targert? I think it's the correct pronunciation of his name. Targert? Targert? Yes. Um, I'll start with the first part, Jeremy. Here's the deal. Over the last couple of years, Jimbo Fisher's name has been thrown around on the coaching carousel. And while he hasn't always been super quick to throw it out there and say that he was not, you know, going to go to LSU, which was the last couple of years, in a reasonably quick fashion, he shot it down, signed an extension, whatever it was, and we knew straightforward that he was not going. The longer and longer this took, the more and more it began to feel real. So to answer your question on the day that he decided that he was uh, for sure going to sign that contract with Texas A&M. It wasn't a surprise. It, it really wasn't a surprise. When you consider some of the news that was coming out of Texas A&M and some of the facts and figures that were consistently being reported and the fact that the Texas A&M Board of Regents was having a meeting to approve the hiring of a head coach uh, earlier in the week, it, it just seemed like it was heading in that direction, that there was no other alternative that Jimbo Fisher was going to be leaving. Now, on the other hand, with Willie Taggart, which is uh, the guy that's at Oregon, he was at Western Kentucky, he went to USF. He's a guy that has turned programs around one after another after another, and I think he'll be a great addition to Tallahassee. I don't know who he brings with him. I do know that right now he is considered a recruiting ace. And he turned around the USF program down in Tampa. So he's familiar with the Florida area. He was born and raised, I believe, down here. He's got family in the state of Florida. So he gets to come back home. It'll be a great fit for him. And this is the first time, really, he inherits a turnkey program, a program that's not coming off of a 2-10 and 10 year, a 4-8 and eight year, a 3-9 and nine year. For Florida State standards, yes, 6-6 six and six is disappointing. But, yes, they also lost a few key players due to injury early on. So he'll, the coverage's not there for Willie Taggart, and we'll see. He's brought four kids, or at least was recruiting four kids to go to Oregon, and has brought together what was going to be one of the best recruiting classes Oregon had ever had, at one point ranked number six, four kids from the state of Florida. I would like to think that when he comes to Tallahassee, those Florida kids will stay home and make the trip up to Tallahassee as well. So things are on the up and up for Florida State not just in football, but also you and I were talking a little bit earlier about basketball as well. So, you know, it was a dark week, but Florida State's coming out of it. And I think for Jimbo Fisher, who is ready for a change of pace in Florida State, he probably would benefit from that as well. It's a good deal for all sides. Um, were you happy with the four teams that are in the college football playoff? You know, you could make an argument for Alabama or for Clemson. I personally do not think you can lose by 31 to Iowa and get into the college football playoff. I understand Ohio State has beaten 
several good teams and arguably has the better winning resume than Alabama. But Alabama's only loss is to an Auburn team that, at least until they lost to Georgia in the SEC championship, looked poised to be in the playoffs themselves. So Alabama lost to a really good football team, and that's their only loss on the season. They played a bunch of decent teams, especially teams when you get into the SEC West that, regardless of record, are really tough teams. And they managed to negotiate that schedule well. Ohio State beat some really good teams, but they had some really good highs and they had some really low lows. And I think that kind of inconsistency is what bit the Buckeyes in the end. Great team, just came up a little bit short. Um, who wins this thing? I'm going to go Oklahoma. I just think that the fresh blood, if you will, with Lincoln Riley as the new head coach, I don't know if it's related better with the younger players. I think Bob Stoops would have had a wonderful year as well. But I think there's some sort of magic up in Norman with the younger head coach and with all these kids, and they just seem to be playing better. And, and even with Bob Stoops, when they were playing well, they always had that little dip somewhere in the season. And this year it looked like that dip was against Iowa State, and then we found out Iowa State's actually a pretty doggone good football team. So Oklahoma is a really good school. They're playing much better defense now than when they even beat Ohio State earlier in the year. They've got, I would think, the Heisman Trophy winner in Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. They've got a plethora of different weapons on the ground and that, and that wide out. This is a team that's really complete. They're playing great football on both sides. And I think they'll play whoever survives Alabama-Clemson Park 3. Um, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens in the college football playoff. We were all interested to see how Tiger Woods would look at the Hero World Challenge. And for my money, Sean, he passed with flying colors. He had speed. He looked healthy. He looked happy. He looked relaxed. He's a part of the Jupiter Boys, which I never expected Tiger Woods to have bros, basically, uh, down there. I know that a lot of this was deja vu versus last year. And I know some of these questions are going to sound exactly like the questions I asked you one year ago on this show after this event. But for my money, I think this was really impressive. I agree entirely. You know, last year when we were having this discussion, I believe he only beat one person in that field. And, you know, you can talk all you want about how it's a resort course. It's not the same kind of golf course they play week in, week out. It's not a 7,700-yard Torrey Pines. It's not exactly, you know, Shinnecock Hills where they'll play the U.S. Open this coming year. It's not an Augusta National. It's not even a Bay Hill or an Innisbrook or any of the courses in the state of Florida they'll be playing in in the next couple of months. But Jordan Spieth played that golf course as well. Justin Thomas played that golf course as well. I mean, the best golfers in the world all played on what you might consider to be a softer golf course. And Tiger Woods beat half of that field for his first tournament back in the year. So when you've got a guy that's aging the way he has, that's had as many operations as he has, and has staged comeback after comeback after comeback, with what you can honestly say were not impressive results at all. Come back to have to lead a little bit on the second day, to struggle on Saturday. And something that we saw when he was maybe on his way back was play well Thursday, Friday, and not play well Saturday or Sunday. At least he came back and played pretty well on Sunday and got himself a top ten. He finished ahead of Justin Thomas, who only won a major, only won the FedEx Cup this past year. I mean... Tiger looked impressive, and to me, it was all in the eyes. 
he didn't look tired. He didn't look downtrodden. He didn't look physically beaten and worn out. He looked focused. He looked sharp. He looked determined. And he looked like he wanted to beat every single person there as opposed to just get around the golf course. Yeah. And and furthermore, which I, I think is the important one, Sean, um, he's excited to play. You know, the... the Rory and DJ and Ricky and 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 uh, Justin have him out. He played nine straight days leading up to this event. Uh, he seems anxious to practice. Um, he's hanging a mile. That that ball speed of 178. Uh, there's a bunch of big names that never reach 178 mile per hour ball speed this year. But he seems excited to practice and play and perform. And and that I think is the he. This was not some kind of sponsor obligation. He was there because he wanted to be there. He competed because he wanted to compete. And he performed because he wanted to perform. Um, and that, that for me, is a really good sign. And now he can shift to refinement um, and, and, and getting that short game tidied up, getting some of these wayward iron shots and crosswinds tidied up um, and, and put himself back on track. And, and I think this is the part that nobody's bringing up, his putter was on and how many times yeah. even when healthy in these last you know um, nine years since his last major has that putter balked at the wrong moment you're absolutely right there have been plenty of times even when he came back goodness the first or the second time when he was playing in the masters when he had that unfortunate break with ball carried off the flagstick and green back into the water ordinarily I would say you know even with the stroke couple strokes penalty and Tiger Woods going pretty much from the lead to four back uh, you know this isn't going to be an issue you know Tiger will find a way to make a move on Saturday and he could not buy a putt on the weekend so when he was initially coming back and we're talking what several years ago now that was a concern now I will say this and I don't mean to say this to throw Nike under the bus but you know he was putting with the Nike putter when he was under contract with Nike in those latter stages Yep. I like he's not in the equipment business anymore, and he can bring old Scotty back and put Scotty back in the bag. He's looking like a totally different putter. He's looking like the, like more and more like the old Tiger. Now, there's still a few more misses than I think 20-year-old Tiger would have made, but then again, I don't think there's a single person out there in their 40s that plays exactly like they did in their 20s, even Tiger Woods. Uh, but he did give it one heck of a run, and he's putting better. He just looks good. I think the moment for me that I tuned in and said, whoa, was on, I believe it was Thursday, when he was on approach into that par five. And he hit that iron and absolutely nuked it to the back of the green. Yeah. And he yelled, be good. And I and it was. And I thought, boy, Tiger a year ago would have maybe ended up in that front bunker, maybe would have missed the green wide left, and still yelled, be good, because it might have started off looking good, but the control wasn't there. There's a whole little, a bunch of little things that weren't there that I think we were trying to overlook just because we were happy to see him back out there. But the reality of the situation is Tiger Woods had the surgery he probably should have had years ago. Uh, you know, the disfusion is an absolute last resort. I understand it. But he probably should have had this done years ago. And now he's had it done, and you can see it's made all the difference in the world. He's not nursing himself around the golf course, and he doesn't seem to be any you know, the least bit physically incapable of getting himself through the motions of an 18 all round and much less that, but 18 upon 18 upon 18 upon 18. So, I mean, Tiger looks like he is exactly where he needs to be moving forward. And I would say moving forward, unless you're feeling, 
I'd say beyond 100% comfortable playing week after week after week, there's no need to rush this thing moving forward. You know, you know you can play well, and you can select the tournament. That's the beauty of winning nearly 100 million times out there on tour. You can just say, I want to play, and they'll like you in the field. Yeah, except for the WGCs, yeah. Like, Corey Pines or the Genesis Open, where his foundation or his uh, TGR group runs that tournament now at Riviera, and he still has not won there. You know, select those different types of golf courses where I'm sure with TGR running at Riviera, he'll probably play Riviera. I know he'll play Tory because he owns Tory Pines. You might as well call it Tiger Pines. You know he'll play Bay Hill, and you'll see wherever he can get in. Maybe he'll play one extra tournament that he might not have played a few years ago. But there's no need to rush this thing. Play the courses that you love, that you know you play well on, that you might be familiar with. Try to breathe some confidence. Don't rush those injuries and don't rush the rehab on the way back. And see where you go and see if you can actually get yourself tuned up and build some momentum and, and go in, into Augusta. I mean, the books, I think, already have been 15 to 1, and he's played once in the last two years. Which is nuts. Um, this is for a whole separate discussion, but this notion of. I'm going to play, but I'm not going to play too much, which is what Tiger said in the booth on Sunday. Um, it's fascinating. Does Is that Tiger non-answer-answer talk, and he's going to play his normal schedule, or are we going to have to manufacture something now? Um, and, and as Joey said to reporters on Fridays, I don't think we're taking any trips to Dubai anymore. Does that open things up? Does that not open things up? We'll see what the surgeon says. We'll see what Tiger does. He needs reps. You know, he used to love 40 rounds before Augusta. I don't know if he can get to 40 rounds without the WGCs. We'll see how all this shakes out as we get into next year. Sean, we cannot talk and not talk about what Ricky Fowler did. He shoots the 61 on Sunday. He opens with seven straight birdies. Um, say what you want about this being a hit and giggle. It's not easy to, to make seven straight birdies and shoot 61. It is not easy to go out there and, and perform at that level. You can't fake it. You can shoot, you know, you can shoot a lot of 64s without trying. You can't shoot 61 in a tournament setting where you're trying to win without trying. Um, and for a guy who has had closing problems and has had problems converting um, leads, I'm convinced that the way Ricky's going to win a major is from behind. I'm with you. There's some guys that need to win their first major from behind, and I, I believe that he is a wonderful player. And once he posts that number and once he wins a major from behind, he'll figure out, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll be able to figure it out and maybe he'll be able to close those leads because he won't have to try so hard to win the first one. It's amazing what happens when guys win that first one, whether it be a tournament or a major whatever it may be. Now, I, I can tell you this. I can shoot 61 without trying, and then I step up on 12 or something like that. Um, but here's the deal. Ricky has been one of the best players in the world for quite some time now. And as you mentioned, has been able to quite get across the finish line. I think he's got a wonderful team. I think you know he really hit on something by going to Butch Harmon and, and working on some things there. I, I, I think that Ricky's time is coming and coming quickly. I think he's trending in the right direction, and it's hard. You know, he's been, up until the emergence of Jordan Spieth, he was America's boy, and he still is in a lot of ways, because he's got that flash and that extra little pizzazz where Jordan Spieth is more of an old soul. 